Jesus, that was odd. What was going on on your end? Um, I wasn't getting the calls coming through. I could see that you were calling, hmm. uh, but it wasn't. It was only showing after the call had ended. So it was showing that I had missed calls, but it was never ringing on my end. And I tried calling you, and it looked like you were offline. So I'm not sure what was going on. Yeah, I didn't. It was kind of the same thing. I didn't even see you trying to call until it just said I had a missed call. <laughs> so then I just tried calling you back. I'm like, okay, didn't see that, but. Nice, nice Skype. update, Skype. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. Love it so much. It's, it, but oddly enough, this is one of the better sounding calls thus far. That's true. Um, but it's only when we're bullshitting, talking about <laughs> Skype, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I mean, we could really change directions on this. You've already decided to kind of revamp things a little bit. Let's just make it Skype chat. Uh, it's more about uh, condensing things. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Do I really need multiple podcasts or can I just talk about whatever I watched and I'm like oh I want to see Adventureland <laughs> 10 years there you go there's your hook it's a anniversary special that no one asked for oh uh, I don't have much work experience per se but um, I'm sorry Bobby. This is James, and he's uh, playing for a games job. Games? Oh, great. Uh, Let's get you set up. Actually, Bobby, I prefer a rides job if it's still open. You look more like a games guy. Plus, I got at the games application. So, uh, all right. My name is Bobby. Okay. Rules: No freebies. No free turns for your friends, no free upgrades, no free food. So just nothing is free here. Uh, everybody has to pay for everything. And more importantly, uh, working in games, no one ever wins a giant-ass panda. Yeah, we don't have that many left. Cool. Can you give me a t-shirt, please? Here, I have a resume. I don't know if you still want to take a look at it. Um, uh, James, am I pronouncing that right? James? James? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, by accepting this t-shirt, you are... Hired. Well, usually a more of a ceremonial thing. Perfect. Well, it, it, and it's currently on Prime, so it's something that people can actually watch right now, which is kind of a new angle for us also. It's on Prime. Okay, I think you one-upped me there, because I watched it on Showtime, and I've actually been using uh, Letterboxd this year, and okay. I was doing it... Um, yeah, it has that film diary thing where people just check stuff off. Um, but I'm actually using it for that reason to save me money. Like, all right, I'm going to tag whatever service I watch this crap on. And then after, you know, a few months, six months, whatever, I'm going to be like, okay, I use Showtime <laughs> twice in six months. Maybe I don't need to subscribe to that. Maybe I'm I, not. I, the big uh, Ray Donovan fan as you thought you were? I never started Ray Donovan, so uh, what you just name check there is probably even worse. That like the one show that you're pulling, I'm like, yeah, I don't even bother with that. No need to check that out. But I'll keep paying for it year after year. Fair enough. The one I always make fun of is Stars, um, but I actually use Stars more, so I should probably stop that joke. According to the Letterbox, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big star supporter. You're a Stars guy. I so, never would have uh, pegged you that way. Next up will be Epics. I'll subscribe to that <laughs> as well. So, uh, okay, so I, I kind of contacted you about this um, because I thought this would be a movie that uh, you 
had strong feelings about and maybe you would be excited that it was its 10 year anniversary and then you, <laughs> you, you text me back you're like oh yeah i always meant to get around to that i guess you know 10 years good excuse to finally check this one out <laughs> so it kind of kind of surprised me and uh maybe it's starting off on the wrong foot that i thought this was a maynard joint adventureland um well I, I, the idea of this movie i never really cared for it that much at first um the theme park I, aspect of it the theme park aspect of it right after super bad mm-hmm. um the director following that up it was being sold heavily as that and then i kept hearing people say it's like they got the um i, I guess the jc penny version of michael Sarah for this because they couldn't get him from super bad um, oh, wow that's with jesse eisenberg which is kind of funny how 10 years has mm-hmm. changed that particular yeah. Yeah, pre-social uh, network, I guess you could make that, you know, jab at him. But yeah, now that sounds – what did I just see? I just saw Michael Sarah in the Julianne Moore movie, uh, Gloria Bell. And it is like mm. such a thankless part. It's like dickish son. And it's like, wow, <laughs> that's a that's an Eisenberg role, you know, if he didn't <laughs> go on to become Mark Zuckerberg and I guess uh, Lex Luthor. So, yeah, how the tables have turned. And, and after that Lex Luthor thing and that book of poetry, they might turn in yet again. That's true. I mean, we can't, <laughs> we can talk out of both sides of our mouths, I guess. <laughs> you know, 10 more years, we'll come back and be like, all right, Mia culpa to Michael Sarah, which I'm sure he'll really care. But, you know, at that point, he may have a podcast that may be, you know, I could see a celebrity of his ilk having a pretty successful <laughs> talk show. He'll uh, team up with Dax Shepard, I guess, at that see, point. See, I was trying that to avoid that, because I'm like, he's better than that, right? Like, yeah, maybe he comes in and steals his lunch. <laughs> it's like, if that <laughs> asshole can do it, I'm going to run him out of a job. God, I hope so. And then there's us, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, th- th- we're in our right place, so th- this makes sense. I- I'm really liking the place uh, we're at, because there's all this within the podcast community uh, you know, you have uh, NPR like trying to. I think they just had something where they like. I use Overcast as my like podcast player mm-hmm. of choice, and uh, I was seeing the the creator of that, Marco Arment, as a, a app developer, and he had kind of written about you know what could happen, but he was he was taking a more positive bent. Like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of money in the podcast game, and NPR like really wants to do this like you know very Facebooky kind of like uh, ad targeting thing with our podcasts. Like, so not just putting in like having the host, like, Hey, read this 30 second thing or 90 second thing about Nike sneakers. But like wanted to know if you download that podcast, like other things you clicked on, like just really like, this is NPR now, <laughs> like trying to, <laughs> trying to get it's like grubby, like sort of Amazon money by following you around the internet. And so they wanted to like take advertising to a, you know, a, a higher power there and have like, whatever else you clicked on on your phone that they would put in like an ad just for Maynard. So, you know, presumably if I'm programming it, you would have gotten like the Adventureland, you know, Adventureland is now streaming on Showtime <laughs> ad because I would think that's what you'd want. Um, so that leaves us that, you know, there, there's going to be like the, uh, there's going to be like the cool kids uh, table. Uh, and then there's going to be all these walled gardens where Spotify has their podcasts only on their platform. Then NPR, you know, no longer works on overcast, but it'll work here. We're everywhere, baby, everywhere and nowhere <laughs> in the sense that no one's listening. You can get us every anywhere, but no one cares. <laughs> I don't know what that yeah. has to do with Adventureland, but I, I felt like, I don't know. It, it's got that sort of, like downbeat sort of underdog thing that uh, I think you're supposed to feel at this uh, particular age. Like what he's like, you know, early twenties and, uh, how, um, how real does it ring to you though? 
Um, hmm. I, because it feels like um, Jesse Eisenberg is at his best when he's being a little bit of a prick most of the time. Like mm-hmm. he can be downbeaten and he can be the underdog, but he kind of has to have a chip on his shoulder about it. Perfect. The social network, perfect example of that or squid in the whale, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, sure. Vastly different characters, but the same guy has the same thing about him that works for both of them. And I don't know that he's supposed to have that dickish thing in this character. Or if I'm just projecting that onto him, well, he's he's got a little bit of that as far as his setup, right? Like I, I think he's you know, he, he apparently comes from a previously uh, pretty well-off family that's now uh, going down, you know, a few rungs in the tax bracket, I guess, and uh, you know plans to have his you know summer adventure in Europe um, has a spot you know for him in Colombia, uh, and it's going to live in New York with his buddy. Uh, he has a line where he's like, you know, people like back in Pittsburgh, you know, they don't they don't like me because I read poetry for fun. So it's like they, you know, they they try to make him sort of self aware enough to be like, all right, yeah, like I I realize that I'm I'm kind of like the I'm the Eisenberg character. I'm I am like that guy from Squid and the Whale, right? But I recognize <laughs> that I'm that guy. Uh, and that's what I'd only seen this like once, like I think probably close to when it released. I think I caught up with it like on on uh, Blu-ray or something. Um, fairly quickly after it came out probably like you know netflix like dvds like through the mail mm-hmm. um and the only reason i checked it out was because a buddy of mine uh went to see it i think he went to see it like at the dollar movies because this this did not do well this came out uh i think it was the first weekend like april 3rd uh, 2009 and uh went up against the uh the reboot the first reboot of fast and furious when they <laughs> they got <laughs> oh. vin diesel and company got the gang back together so it was operating against a very different form of nostalgia, like nostalgia for like <laughs> 2001 Paul Walker. <laughs> so uh, this one came and went pretty quickly, but my buddy was like, hey, man, you should check it out. You, you like the replacements. Like replacements are all over this movie. I'm like, oh, like, okay. Are so, they? Well, okay. So, you know. I, it's Yola Tango, isn't it? I, I felt like I was tricked that first time. And I kind of tricked myself on rewatch because with it being a, a, almost a 10 year gap, uh, they kick off like, I mean, the, the credits, um, mm-hmm. you know, Miramax, which I, I think thankfully one of the rare times on this podcast where we can mention Miramax and we can be like, Hey, this is like Miramax you know, after the Weinsteins left, <laughs> you know, you know, the Miramax movies, you don't remember those ones. Uh, but there's no, as we know, no taint so far on these, uh, but uh, bastards of young uh, replacement song is opening the movie like at the, and that's what is playing in the background of that party where, Eisenberg, man, they open it with just like this, his, this longing, which, uh, I mean, he's just got a, a face for creepiness. I think like even, yeah. <laughs> even if he's being earnest, even if that's him, like in love <laughs> with a <the> girl, <laughs> there's, there's nothing there that's supposed to fuel the fires of desire in a young lady. And you, I think you totally understand when they, <laughs> you know, they do the reverse shot on her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um yeah it's this weird balance in the movie that I don't know that it necessarily strikes um, where I think your idea of the replacements being all over it is kind of what the it's a perfect example of that because it's kind of what it's trying to do it's from the people that were formerly Miramax it's not Michael Sarah it's the guy who directed Superbad but mm. none of the writers of it yeah and it's all these elements of things um, I kind of felt even like the Lou Reed thing was a 
they watched Train Spotting and they said, "Oh, all these guys in that movie, they really um, they liked was, was it Bowie? I can't. No, it's not Bowie. It was um, oh god, Iggy Pop. So let's just find some you know relevant guy that no one really cares about. We get rights to a couple of songs <laughs> that let's no just one make really cares about. <laughs> let's let's put Satellite of Love on there. Perfect, and, and we'll you know plaster that all over the place and get." The guy from uh, what was it? The National Lampoon's Varsity, whatever it was. Van at the Wilder, time. sir. Van there Wilder. You go. Yeah, get Van Wilder in it, and it's just—it felt like it had all these elements that made it seem cynical to me. Where it's like they were mm. trying to do a paint-by-numbers version of an indie film, um, and that's why it, it's not that it's bad necessarily. It just doesn't feel like anybody was really invested in it. If that makes sense. That's strange. I, I feel like. I read that the uh, the director here, I guess he worked at a theme park and like they toyed with the idea of like filming it. And I think it was uh, the actual like Adventureland or whatever, where it takes its name was. Uh, and there are multiple ones, I guess, in the country, just sort of generically named Adventureland. <laughs> they have nothing to do with one another. Um, it was on Long Island, but they weren't hmm. able to do it. Um, but I, I get what you mean, because I, I did think on where this was placed that yeah they're they want they want that super bad money but it's almost like they were trying to trick people into the, the super yeah. bad thing uh probably you know having this be a sundance movie in early 2009 um that's probably your first marketing mistake because <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't remember <laughs> super bad <laughs> you know playing at tribeca and they making that like a big part of its like marketing material but that's more honest to how the movie is thematically. That's kind of what True. it feels. Yeah. It feels more like a Sundance. In its heart, it's more of a Sundance film. But because you're going off of that super bad thing, that's where that disconnect is, I think. I think I, – I mean I liked just sort of its like sort of ambling around. Like I actually liked the Eisenberg yeah. – um, and I, I said this to my wife. Like there's this character that I guess is supposed to be like the hot girl that – you know, and I, I mean – it's neither here nor there as far as like where the actor went, but it's not like she's a recognizable name. So they kind of have to like announce her as like, that's the one you should be infatuated <laughs> with when really like, and I think this is probably a nice thing for both of us to say, so I'll, I'll go ahead and speak for you. So we don't go off the rails, but I think at our respective, I'll, 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 I'll give you a little bit of rope here. Go, go okay. ahead. At our respective ages, I, I think I take comfort when the film just tells me, uh, yeah, that girl that's like playing a teenager, she's supposed to be the hot one everyone likes. I'm like, okay, that's, that's part of the narrative. <laughs> I didn't have to make an assessment myself, nor would I <laughs> like, they all look the same to me. Like, <laughs> yep. Okay. I'm completely on board with you. Good. All right. Good. See, I, I think in our previous podcast experience, the mistake would be if that point got brought up at like the 40 minute mark of our conversation. Oh, we would then, have disagreed and had a 20 minute dive on it. Yeah. And yeah, 20 minutes on the relative, you know, hotness of these young characters <laughs> <laughs> and who, you know, Eisenberg should have got with, uh, or if we had a well, guest, I feel like it's usually that third voice. It's the third voice or the tired voice that gets us in trouble. So we'll just, yeah, we'll table that for now. Okay. In all honesty, though, just to before we completely table it, it would have been clearly the choice would have been Ryan Reynolds, and that's where we would have concluded. Yeah, I, I put my, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to use Letterbox to the fullest uh, film criticism, which I think everyone is, which is just to give a, a pithy response as soon as the credits roll. <laughs> like, just to be like, all right, checked that one off. Here's what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> and then never think about it again. So my <laughs> review was never bring Jesse Eisenberg to a Ryan Reynolds fight. <laughs> and everyone knows it. And it's one of the things I like about the movie is there's these sort of agreed upon terms <laughs> of how life works. 
Um, and like Ryan Reynolds is kind of the villain. If you're of the appropriate age of a guy just out of college or, you know, some of these characters, you know, presumably like still in high school, you know, the, the older dude, the older guy that if you're of our age, you're wondering like, dude, what are you, what are you doing with one, working with a bunch of teenagers and young 20 somethings like carrying your, like Reynolds is introduced to this theme park. He's, he's the maintenance guy, but he's carrying his guitar and his guitar case and wearing his leather jacket. And, I don't know about you, but it looks like no maintenance man I've ever seen just <laughs> walking around. Not to disparage the maintenance community, but yes, I, I agree. No, with I'm you. saying they're actually professionals. Like they're not, <laughs> you know, they're not looking at this as like a gig or they're trying to like sell you a CD or something on the side. Like they're just coming to work and they hate their life and everyone like understands it. It's like, yes, this is just, you know, put on the hard hat. I actually kind of respected Reynolds. It probably played better than though him coming off Van Wilder where it's like, yeah, like if this movie had came out maybe even like five or six years before, um, I would have been one of the like one of the guys here. Like if they had like I guess the film is kind of missing, like the Uber like jerk jock. No, it's not. It I, I think that's one of the it doesn't have that particular angle on it, which is nice. The closest you have is the guy that always punches Eisenberg in the nuts. That that's really Yeah, the... and he's just like a you know, uh well nowadays you'd worry that he's like gonna be like a future school shooter or something. <laughs> like he's just like sort of a weird like, you know, D and D kid or something. Like just uh, just you know, he's just an oddball like character. Uh I, I like that most of the physical threats here are like the townies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that have had kids like way too young and like, you know, hate themselves and hate these other kids and like they're willing to pull a knife on poor uh future Zuckerberg over a, a damn panda bear. It's also, do you think that this is how far we've come in 10 years that um, they would allow for a movie with this much drinking and driving to exist? Oh, that's a good point because it's not even, it's not even really commented upon at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, every moment they are, they're either smoking pot or drinking or both and puking and driving. And it's never made a comment on so it. The, I like that about it. Yeah, the, the pot would probably be, um, I guess, you know, less concerning to all involved. Like, it's just, you know, the, <laughs> like, you know, we need jobs in this country. So this is a growth industry. So we need to take these jobs from uh, poor folks <laughs> and give them to massive corporations. We're that, That's where we're at. But as far as the drinking and driving, yeah, that would certainly, like, Eisenberg being sad uh, because him and uh, Kristen Stewart break up. And like, you know, swigging from his dad's bottle they finds under the seat and crashing. Like it's it's a, a movie that I really like that uh, came out, I guess, I don't know, like four or five years after The Spectacular Now with Miles mm-hmm. Teller. Love it. Yeah. I mean, that that becomes the like, you know, everyone starts to comment on this guy. Like, you know, <laughs> we've let this go for a little bit, but you have a serious <laughs> problem. And, you know, at a certain point in the film, you know, he starts to get people hurt with his, his drunken ways. And uh, in this one, I think the most that comes of it is that Eisenberg loses his, as he puts it, his carny money. It's like <laughs> he's fined a thousand dollars by his parents for you know putting a dent in the car and like I guess running over some shrubbery, and that's it. So it's probably I guess of its time, maybe maybe the last gasp of its time as far as like basically just saying like you're an idiot for driving drunk, <laughs> <laughs> pay your fee and move along. Well, and, and at the time, that was probably something a little bit more progressive because if you go back to probably the movies that we'll be comparing this to, there was probably even less 
repercussions for what happened in those films, I'm assuming. And not to, I mean, to getting, I guess it is, you know, a spoiler for a movie 10 years old, but you're getting to your like, you know, final resolution here, which basically is, (laughs) it's the outcome of Eisenberg losing his carny money that he still goes to New York. He has to take a bus and he really has no like where to go. Shows up in the rain without an umbrella (laughs) at Kristen Stewart's doorstep and like, you know, puts her in an incredibly uncomfortable position. He's like, I rode a bus all night to get here and I'm soaking wet. And guess what? I don't have a job. <laughs> I don't have any, any plans. And it's like, you know, he just sort of like hangs there where it's like, she's going to be, she's going to be a prick herself if she like doesn't invite him in. And I mean, she, I think she opens the conversation saying like, I really don't want to see you right now. But it just, <laughs> just, it just stands there. You know, it just, <laughs> It's kind of like us with our, our, our podcasting strategy. We're just going to hang around. We're just going to hang around, see what happens, see if we get invited in. So is that where the Eisenberg standing out in the rain? Yes. Are- yes, we always have been. And we're never going to quite get to the social network version either. We're the master of our own domain. No. We're- so, and that's the thing. In our minds, we see ourselves as John Cusack and say anything mm. with the box over our heads. Yeah. But in reality, most of us are actually just Eisenberg annoying a uh, girl with in the rain. Yeah. I mean, the smart move there by Crow was to not have uh, – what, what was her name? Sky? Was that the last name of the actress? Ione Sky? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to not have her come to the window. <laughs> to, to be an, you know, annoyed, to be you know hurt, or you know, to be put in an emotional state uh, with the, the, the song that they lost their virginity to. But if she comes to the window, then you have to have a conversation. And there's really – I don't care what – you know what sort of cinematic sense or skills you've got, uh, which I guess Crow would develop with like, you know, something to like almost famous, I guess, which most people would consider like his, his peak, uh, you know, the awkward conversation, there's only so much you can do before it gets a little too real. <laughs> I do like that. Eventually <laughs> just makes it kind of real and sad. And, uh, I think that's why I didn't remember how it resolved too much. I actually, in my head 10 years ago, I was like, Oh yeah, they don't end up together. Like, you know, it's just, it turns into like one of those, Sort of like uh, school days or high school relationships where people are like too involved in each other's business, where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, dating is a soap opera for all the other, you know, small town people to to be engaged with when really it's none of their business. But everyone sort of likes it. And I I do like that in this film that the character is constantly telling people, hey, don't relay this. But here's my personal life. (laughs) And then then when it's relayed, he's like, hey, what? Why? Why'd you do that? And it's like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it's like he, you know, he wants some sort of audience for something good actually happening in his life. And I think I could kind of recall that as a young man where you do shoot your mouth off too much and probably end up making your life suck worse. Just because you, <laughs> <laughs> when something good happens, you do want somebody to acknowledge, hey man, something like there's something cool going my way. Am I speaking just I think, for myself? Uh, You're leaving me hanging. No, there. no, 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 no. I, I was, wait- I was just waiting. Um, you say as a young man, as if that's not something that we carried long past what we would consider to be young men. I think talking too much is something we're probably both guilty of. Yes, but I'm, you know, I, I have long given up on uh, going around like, hey, I do a podcast. You should check it out. Now, <laughs> now if someone's like, hey, don't you do you, you do a podcast? I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah, let's just, <laughs> let's just move on. <laughs> I don't know. Somewhere along the way, those dreams die. Um, I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to the episodes and count the number. Uh, that's also something I'm going to do with the show. I think I'm just going to drop the numbers. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. 
how many times. How many, how many of these things do you have actively going right now? Oh, or is actively it just, going? You're, you're just picking up one every once in a while and kind of pulling that one up and then letting it drop away for a, a couple months. Well, I, I do find that to be somewhat sane um, because it does mean that whenever there is one, that means like I'm enjoying it. <laughs> like I, there's no <laughs> obligation. It means that I've like picked up this toy, you know, dusted it off and you know, I'm, I'm releasing it out into the world. And it, it's only then does the negativity come in where I'm like, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> Well, the, the negativity being the things that we put on ourselves, because I'm not personally getting a lot of feedback on it. So it, it, that's I'm not having people you know follow me on Twitter and saying nasty things about it. So it's fine. It's just kind of it yeah. used to be screaming into the void. Now it's just kind of whispering towards it. Mm, yeah, it's a little bit of pillow talk, I guess. And then you just you know you just roll over and you're just, <laughs> well, I tried, <laughs> but you know what? I like to sleep too, so it's fine. <laughs> That's this podcast. Uh, I was going to ask you how much you, how much did this mirror your experience from this particular time in your life? Like I, I'm not <laughs> going to presume that you worked at a theme park. I, I didn't have the opportunity myself, but just from, I guess this type of job that you're just kind of just working with the uh, other people in your peer group and just kind of, kind of goofing off for the most part, being paid to like not, <laughs> not do much. And uh, then like sort of grumble about it. I kind of, my careers were different. I never had a job like this at this age. Um, the closest thing I guess was when I worked in a video store mm, because same. it was really just you know, kind of hanging out and bullshitting about movies for a couple hours and I never really felt like work. Um, I would go in just to hang out sometimes even when it wasn't necessarily my shift. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So I, I guess that's the closest thing to it, but um, I was in school at the time I was doing that while I was in college. So, and then after that I had real adult jobs. So, and I had no aspirations of my parents spending money on me to, on me, uh, backpacking across Europe <laughs> and having that fall apart, um, because my dad changed jobs. So no, in that part of it, not, not really, but how about you? Was it, uh, similar for you at the video store? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, coming in from a very small town, I like, you know, if I wasn't like working, I probably like was coming in there to get like free movies, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm yeah. in there, like the most work aspect of it was probably just having a, uh, you know, predetermined time that I had to like be there as opposed to just, you know, at home or <laughs> wherever else, you know, that, that was the work part of it, which is <laughs> showing up in the true Eisenberg fashion. That's what we do. We just show up. Um, but I never had like, a uh, situation where I, I guess maybe coming from that like small Kentucky town, like, you know, any of my coworkers that I was involved with, like I, I would know them from school. Like I would already have some idea of who they were. So it wasn't like, I didn't have this divide that I guess this character does where like, it seems like he's introduced to, you know, a different type of person that he wouldn't normally hang out with. Sure. Um, and I don't know if that's a positive or a negative on the film that he just has like the sheer luck to like, you know, the girl he connects with, like before he even really knows much about her, like she's, you know, her plan is to go to NYU and his plan is to go to Columbia. It's like, Oh, mm. well, <laughs> you know, you are, <laughs> you know, it's not that you're not really like going outside of your comfort zone too much. And maybe the biggest negative I can give the film. And it's, it's a little bit unfair. Cause it's from, you know, it's from a male perspective and apparently it's, you know, there's some degree of like his, his youth or his life experience. But, uh, 
honestly, I think the film is probably more interesting if it's from Kristen Stewart's perspective, because yeah. she's the one that's having you know far more like transformative or like on the cusp of adulthood like experiences like this you know affair that she's having with a married man um and she also seems to be you know a little bit more worldly as far as like she you know collects people of different interests mm -hmm. and backgrounds and she there's a scene where um you know they're, they're talking about well he's talking about the replacements and big star like you know coming on you know her record collection and I always like the way she plays it. I don't know if it's just like a Kristen Stewart ism. So I don't know if it's just like a choice, but it's, a, it's like, she just sort of like pats that away in the, in the air. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just music. You know, it's just whatever. It's not, you know, it doesn't mean too much. It doesn't, it doesn't make me like a better person. Like just because what I like, she has the very opposite version of like John Cusack and high fidelity. She doesn't seem like, you know, what she likes to listen to or read like makes her like a better person than someone else she works with. And I, I do like that, that sort of like version of like a young person it seems pretty, pretty adult and pretty level headed. Oh yeah. And that's why I would never have, uh, that person would have broke my heart in that moment at that age. Cause I was so defined by the music I listened to and the films that I loved and the, you know, the art that I consumed meant so much to me. And if somebody just had similar taste to me and said, yeah, but it doesn't mean anything. That would have broken my heart. And that, that's what made that so funny, that moment. I actually really appreciate that. I remember the very, my very first day at the uh, video store. Um, like I said, I had an idea of who these people were. And I was like thankful because like the uh, girl I was going to be working with that day, uh, I already knew she was like really into movies. Like, and she was a couple years older than me, but I'm like, okay, well, yeah, at least I'll have that. Like, I'm not really mm -hmm. like, <laughs> and you're sort of like drawing lines in the sand. And I'm, I'm thinking like, well, this, here's a layup here is we have, uh, at that time, like, you know, an, an older couple or something like returning or checking out like the English patient. And I'm, you know, I'm, I probably just said something like, oh, look at this horse shit. Like, what a bunch of idiots <laughs> <laughs> who would ever watch this? And I remember her saying, like, I love that movie. Like, what's wrong with that movie? Like, basically, like, no, no. OK, you want to have a conversation? Let's have a conversation. Like what? And, you know, <laughs> probably the most I had, I, I'd probably seen like half of it. And I was just like, boring. Who cares? Uh, well, you know, all I had as a point of reference was probably the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, that that was me bringing Jesse Eisenberg to a Ryan Reynolds fight because I actually was meeting someone who was like, you know, before podcasts, I'll do a whole, let's do an hour on the English patient. What is it? What's up with this? Like, what, what do you got against it? And I was totally unprepared. So, uh, yeah, I would have been, I would have been the same boat as you as far as like, oh, cool. Like here's, here's this one sliver of a connection we have. And, uh, but it would have gone far differently because apparently my Kristen Stewart that I, I knew was far more combative. <laughs> And I've actually like uh about a year ago like reconnected uh on Facebook and not I don't I've not seen her since maybe like a couple years after like I graduated high school ran to her like once. I actually like asked her like hey you should come on the podcast cuz I remember you like oh, no. <laughs> to talk about the English <laughs> patient. Well, well just anything cuz I just remember like pretty much any one of our shifts like if I, if I said anything positive or negative it was like I was being asked to talk at great length and I'm like hey guess what I do now I talk at great length about this shit so maybe maybe finally we can have you know a conversation that'll please you. And uh I think she was just like yeah yeah we should do that sometime which is just like <laughs> I've grown out of that, dude. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I have a job now. What are you, you waiting 20 years to like have your English patient rebuttal? Like it's <laughs> the moment has passed. What is this? So, so, so you are essentially um, doing your Seinfeld, uh, the shrimp call or the beach called. It's all out of shrimp or whatever it was. 
um, the jerk store call. <laughs> yeah. Well, your moment? I wish I had something as good as the jerk store call. <laughs> They're all out of view. <laughs> that, <laughs> that I don't know. I don't know if humanity can really top that. As far as uh, certainly being on Twitter, I've not seen a better put down. I've not seen a better <laughs> insult than that. Actually, how many I can fit in my mouth? <laughs> you know, George. The ocean called. They're running out of shrimp. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Riley? <laughs> well, the jerk store called. They're running out of you. <laughs> What's the difference? You're their all-time bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Well, I had sex with your wife. <laughs> His wife is in a coma. That was something else. Uh, I didn't really know if we'd talk about it, but it's... Um, I'm trying to think of the last, like... Well, I think uh, Love, Simon was probably, the, like, the last good, like, teenager movie, like, that I saw, like, set in that world. And it's, you know, it's a rom-com of its, mm-hmm. of its own. Um, now, that one just sort of embraces, and probably is going to date it even more that it embraces a very specific type of technology. Like, you know, in that film, it's like this blog that everyone goes to. <laughs> I'm like, that's probably already gone. Um, but it was kind of pleasant to go back to. That was, I'm sure, closer to both of our days. Like, for, for my, like, teenage years, like the formative years, like, there would be people who had maybe, like, car phones. <laughs> Their parents would let them use in case they broke down. Like, it was, like, uh-huh. a janky phone. That if you unplugged it from the cigarette lighter, you know, in your car, the, the battery would instantly die. Like, it was it was an emergency call. Yeah. Um, I did like that. I mean, you know, and I think that's probably why, like, this got such positive response for, like, film critics of the, the time, 2009, that it's a throwback to like, you know, when you want to hang out with your friends, you had to go out there and find them. Like you had to either make plans like leaving work or you had to just show up at someone's house. Maybe that's why the Eisenberg thing worked. And now it would be like, well, why didn't you text me first? What are you doing in New York? <laughs> <laughs> Can't just show up now, but then I guess you could. <laughs> that's a, uh, yeah. Um, I, I genuinely think that most of the time there's the, disadvantage of, of technology for everything else you were talking about. But for that particular moment, technology wins this round. Yeah. Well, I don't, I'm trying to think like, I, I mean, the, most of the time I'm grateful that I'm like any sort of like, especially like courting at that age, that there's no like documented, like digital record oh, of that. God, no. So even, uh, there's a, there's a moment here where there, as I mentioned, these two, uh, kids, one going to NYU, one to Columbia, like Eisenberg's like, you know, you know, maybe we'll meet up on a street, like, you know, in the, like in the NYC. And he like immediately like, like, you know, he knew, he knows that he took a big swing and a miss there and it's just like cringes. <laughs> and it's like, it's probably nice that that moment, well, maybe in that character's mind, it does last decades. Maybe that's his version of like the English patient conversation for me. <laughs> but at least there's no record. Like no one is immediately like, look at this stupid asshole. This, <laughs> what he just said to me. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I, I feel so sorry for my boys that having to go navigate those waters as a teenage boy. Do you think it'll go the other way? Do you think maybe like it'll, it'll become like, it's already pretty 
fucking extreme as far as that goes that, that you know the up and coming generations will disavow like all of this <laughs> smartphone technology that we've you know that they're going to see glued to everyone's hands i guess well, that's it's, my hope yeah i i think it will have that they'll understand how to use the tool set i think is what it'll really come down to it's really it's the 40 and 50 year olds and above that are fucking up their lives because of Facebook going <laughs> back and trying to find their high school girlfriend and you know <laughs> really deal with some shit. I trying to that, find you know, a girl to get her back on the podcast. Like I've got points now. <laughs> no, I wasn't specifically referring to you, but there yeah, you that, go. that probably was about as I don't know. Maybe it's creepier, but I was like, you know, it's certainly probably more rare. Like, hey, <laughs> it's been a while, but now I've got a podcast. <laughs> Come talk with me about it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think uh, one big takeaway I have from the movie is that, uh, and it's another thing I like about it, is it seems like young people are able to, like like people say about kids, like physically hurting themselves. Like, yeah, they'll be mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> they bounce right back up. Like they have a good cry or whatever, and then like they, they go and run to a wall again. Well, with <laughs> these people at this, this age, these young adults, like they're sort of able to navigate like those awkward moments, I guess, like small sort of like, paper cut like heartbreak that they have sure and ryan reynolds as the grown man is like the one that like it just it's like he just can't handle it like he just can't handle like (laughs) and uh, i mean there's good reason that he's like he realizes that he's competing with jesse fucking eisenberg for (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would fuck up anybody's day Especially if you wake up in the morning and see Ryan Reynolds in the mirror every day. <laughs> like, you know, clearly uh, the hand that I've been dealt here, how how am I not able to <laughs> to take down this bet? Like, what has this kid got? And uh, <laughs> I do like the, the conversations between the two of them because I do think there's like a – it's like a, a very small-scale Sundance version of like – the heat scene between Pacino and De Niro. <laughs> Very <laughs> small. This is the mumblecore version. But it's like, it's totally this old dude that like everyone, you know, at that age should aspire to be like, Oh, he'll get any check he wants. Or, you know, he wants to play with Lou Reed. And it, like, he, he knows, like he, he knows what he, he truly is. And he's, he's trying to figure out this fucking curly headed idiot. Who's like, <laughs> you know, a kid right behind him's puking on him. Like, and he's cleaning up the six year old's puke and he still feels threatened and challenged by this guy. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that actually plays into one of Ryan Reynolds strengths is that sort of, he is believable in insecurity, which is something you wouldn't see in him necessarily, but he plays that very well. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is incredibly difficult. Like I, like you know, Clooney can do it, but only if he's playing like a complete like dolt. Only if he's if, if he's in a Coen Brothers. Movie. Yeah, if, if he's playing something like he basically has the the you know the brain of a dog, where he's just like an energetic puppy, like running from like, you know adventure to adventure. But yeah, probably not. I don't think anyone looks at uh, Burn After Reading as like subtle work. From the man. <laughs> I mean, maybe his uh, craftsmanship. Maybe only after watching. Oh God, um, what was the uh, the one that they did though? That he. Oh God, I'm forgetting the name of it now. Um, oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah, that 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 might be the only way you would consider that subtle is after seeing that because that's about as out there as Clooney can get the performance in that. See, I, I I don't know. I think I still go with like the the dildo chair that he makes. I think that's. <laughs> 
<laughs> his defining moment. If he, if he, you know, I hope that he lives a long and healthy life, which I don't, I don't know. He's probably what is in his late fifties now, but you know, when he's 80 something and he's getting like, late 50s, he's get, I mean, Paul Red turned 50 today. So I saw that. Um, I actually like, you know, the, the, I'm opening Twitter basically just to like DM you and <laughs> <laughs> the app. I mean, it's like, got. You know, probably something Trump related, but like the third headline down, like trending news, Paul Rudd turns 50. And I'm like, <laughs> that actually grabbed my attention. And I was, I found that probably even more depressing than whatever Trump's doing now. I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> fuck, man. God doesn't age. Like, I had this argument with, with my wife that I was like, you know, if you're playing the long game, if I had to be any Avenger, like have the the genetics, have the makeup. I think I'd go with Ant Man. I think I'd be Paul Rudd. And she looked at me like, "You idiot!" There's Captain America. There's Thor. Like you know, all the Chris's. And I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, let's see what they look like when they're 50. You know, let's see let's let's see what that muscle mass looks like. You know, it's, it's it'll be like one of these townies from Adventureland, right? I'm sure of it. That's what we want to tell ourselves that Hemsworth is really going to fall apart in the next 10 years. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, he's uh, you know, he's he's got trainers and stuff, but like the the the, the Hemsworth that is Ryan Reynolds' character in Adventureland, his fifty is not going to look that great. Uh, yes, I, but then again, you have a Robert Downey Jr. who had those rough years. He he looks all right still, and he had a good twenty years where he was putting his body through the ringer. Probably good and for pro- him because he was a. He always looked way younger than probably what he was. You know, he always said that <laughs> so he was going to have that child actor sort of like. <laughs> perpetually like a boy kind of quality. So he had to, he had to go to the hard drugs and he had to go to prison <laughs> just, just to age him up a yeah, little just bit. So he could grow a mustache, you know, <laughs> get some adult roles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> also playing the long game. <laughs> <laughs> was he actually, was he friends with uh drug, drug addiction as a cynical career move? <laughs> Jesus. I mean, we've got the, you know, the, the guy that, uh, you know, the hired the Nigerians to, to, on the MAGA cap <laughs> try to beat him up so who knows at least you know at least Downey got high high and he took a comfortable nap in a neighbor's house <laughs> do you think if we actually were successful that I mean could we avoid being that whoever that like asshole British guy was that like during an Avengers press junket tried to ask him about like his drug like it didn't even have a question he was like so you were on drugs once what's that like it was very like very you know chris farley or you know between two ferns type material i actually think we would be better on those even if, I, even if we, we went to be, that territory we would be better than those guys because um we've had moments where there's stuff that we've recorded that we didn't run with that we could have run with if we wanted mm-hmm. to have that type of stuff um so no that that i've always been respectful of boundaries that I need to stay in and things I need to talk about. I've just always been just gotten a kick out of the fact that I was allowed to talk to some of the people I've been able to. Sure. So no, that, that wouldn't fuck with me at all. And within that, I would try to find something more fun to talk about. That's not typical, hopefully that if not, it would probably be Chris Farley just talking about the exact thing I was told to say. And it would you know, be well, what it is. I may ask them if they want Paul Rudd's jeans. Like, are you content <laughs> Chris Hemsworth with looking like the way you look now? Now, see, he would love to have that question. Yeah, I think I think he would. I think he, you know, it's going to be easy to make him look good too, because you know, as long as he, I, well, I guess he could say himself, and everyone's like, "Ha ha, good for him!" Like, you know, what a, what a lovable ass. Or he could say Paul Rudd and be a decent human being. Those are his two <laughs> options. He, he wins either way. <clears throat> right. Where were we? Adventureland ten years ago. 
<laughs> I uh, when I had this conversation, you know, thinking this was going to be some sort of like a little hidden gem for you, like my thought was, this felt like it could have become a cult classic. But I, I actually did like a brief search to see if there'd been any sort of like oral history of Adventureland, nope. and I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It didn't. This one just didn't happen. It's almost like it was. You're talking about like the prepackaged aspect of it. It's like it was prepackaged to like have the lifespan of like something like Office Space. Where it's like you know maybe and maybe it doesn't hit immediately, oh, okay. but it's going to be become like a you know beloved favorite. And uh, no, I watched it again. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I, you know I kind of enjoyed it the first time I watched it, but then <laughs> then never watched it again and totally <laughs> forgot the ending and forgot how ludicrous it was. <laughs> now, did you? What did you think about it? Because I have no other reference point other than seeing it this time, and I'm it's I probably sound a little bit more negative on it than I actually was. It's fine. It's not offensively bad. It's just not great. Um, it's kind of the reason I think I avoided it. It just didn't seem like it was going to really do much for me. It didn't do a lot for me. It's, it's not bad though. I was and, trying to compare it to something like Dazed and Confused, which is, is that type of movie, right? That was not an initial hit at mm -hmm. all. Didn't, didn't, did not become that summer fall. Whenever it came out, did not become American graffiti. But through, you know, the VHS days, uh, you know, developed a fairly rabid audience and like, you know, it's still sort of revered. And I'm sure that I think I'm sure there's probably been multiple oral histories in that. Like I'll go to like the ringer and probably see like, you know, they'll do one every year on Day Sync Views just to like talk to all those actors again. And I don't I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what's really that different from this to something like Day Sync Views. Like. How do you try to like, can you even like bottle like a dazed and confused formula? No, it, it all those different. There's so many things that make that what it is that you, if you look at something like everybody wants some, which is phenomenal. Um, but it never connected with audiences at the time. <laughs> you know what I loved about that? Like, cause I saw it multiple times and I heard it like, cause I, I was like, this is the best movie of the year. Like, I don't give a shit, M you know, moonlight, whatever the fuck, <laughs> who cares? This, <laughs> this is cinema. Um, but I always couched it from that point of view. That's like, even though generational, you know, from a generational point of view, um, I wasn't even born yet when these guys are like <laughs> playing ball, like in, you know, 1980 or whatever at college. But it was much closer than Dazed and Confused um, to, like, guys that I was friends with or hung out yeah. with. Like, you know, that where you had, you know, for the, you know, you'd have your jocks and especially a baseball movie. They're all they're all jocks. But you also just have, you know, some of the thinkers or, you know, some of the stoners or, you know, you just have an odd assortment of people that what was funny was a lot of the criticism I saw with that particular film was, oh, yet again, it's just, you know, it just appeals to just a bunch of, like, you know, stupid jock white guys. Just you know, <laughs> that's it. And I'm thinking, isn't that like ninety percent of movies? Like what? And you go to like any action movie. Like what? I mean, the fucking Matrix is Keanu Reeves <laughs> getting jacked up and learning kung fu. Like you talk about appropriation. Like they jack in like appropriation <laughs> of all this stupid shit. And it's like you know another like bored white guy that life's you know not as good as what he thinks it should be for him. So he you know, has to go out and he has to like dominate the world. And I'm I'm looking at that and I'm like, but don't you? Isn't this where you want like the asshole white dudes? In this movie, like, don't you want them contained in a movie where it's like, yeah, they're just out to get laid and drink, and they're they're kind of obnoxious. I don't I don't I, understand that that particular criticism. For that, for no, I, I don't. I, 
of all the, I don't have a lot of criticisms of that specific film. And as far as the point of view of it, that's Linkletter. I mean, he's telling a story that's really closely connected to who he, he is. Played baseball, like he, you know, hung out with those dudes, and you know, eventually, he's like, wasn't wasn't he working like oil rigs? He was like, you know, I've yeah. got to, I've got to, <laughs> got to find easier work. I'm gonna become a so, filmmaker. <laughs> It's the, it's the yeah, exactly, but it's the same side thing of like with Woody Allen, and that's always been a complaint that people have had that he, that he's not inclusive in his style of filmmaking, and that he tells a very specific story over and over again. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's unwatchable. Um, but that's fine. Let him do his thing. And I've heard that same criticism now of Jordan Peele when he said he doesn't have any interest in telling white people stories. I think that's great. Tell Why your stories. He? Tell, he he fucking shouldn't, and and that's that although, I see it that way across the board. Although, I have yes. to say that for us, the characters I liked the most were the white people. I did, <laughs> I did enjoy my time with drunken Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> she was quite sassy, and I enjoyed the way she talked to her husband. <laughs> I found it really endearing. <laughs> it was the romance of the year. It 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 did work for me. <laughs> It's something that I, I guess, like, I, I wonder if Adventureland, you know, coming out when uh, everybody wants some dead, would have that. Would you have that argument? That's like, you know, these, <laughs> these sort of, you know, rich uh, white kids. That... Yes, this is this is definitely a white privilege movie that wouldn't hold up today. It didn't hold up then, and as culture has moved along, it didn't really have that. I don't think it connected with people then. So as it goes on, it seems even more absurd now, I guess. But yeah. I mean, I, I do like that. I don't think that the reason it doesn't work is that it doesn't have like, it's almost too specific, right? With the, the, the theme park aspect of it is like the, the silly backdrop. That but it's maybe, so secondary. It's, it's not what the movie's about though. But it, yeah, but it's like, you know, office space, people didn't even have to work in an office, but they can connect to that. Like I hate my job. Sure. I hate okay. my this, I feel like it, it kind of like slaps you in the face with like, you know, I like Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, but like when they're brought in for like gags, it's like theme park, <laughs> theme park joke, theme park joke. Like, you know, that's, that's well, it. I think they, they had them for an afternoon is what it seems like. They just changed I their did, makeup a couple times. I didn't <laughs> read that. They filmed everything of theirs in four days, which is basically like in between one Saturday <laughs> night live. And then the next Saturday that they had to like, that's, they were there. Um, yeah, which I, I thought was strange. Also that the fact that they were filming this in wintertime, I was like, I guess, you know, maybe that park was actually in use. Maybe this is like the off season when they filmed it, but I don't know. Maybe th that was the one thing I thought like, you know, some like Dazed and Confused, <laughs> you know, it's just like jocks, nerds, and they all go to a kegger and this, maybe it is hanging out the theme park. That's just a little too, it's just a little too off and just kind of kooky. It's very sitcomish, but even there's there's something that I think the that dazed and confused is there's a certain group of people that's in probably a twenty year radius roughly um, of the time when that movie was released that they'll see that as a great movie they'll continue to hold it true to their heart for until they die but then generations that come along it might have a disconnect in the way that something like Animal House I think doesn't connect anymore um, hmm. that you I've watch never a movie seen like, Animal House probably for um, that very reason. It doesn't hold up. It's like meatballs or a lot of those comedies from that time period. There's some that hold up, but a lot of those really big ones at the time, they they broke a lot of ground and they connected with a lot of people. And, you know, they hadn't seen something like that necessarily. 
Um, but I'll take that back because you can watch something like The Graduate or even um, American Graffiti. And th- those movies hold up just fine. And they're all sort of playing in similar themes and mm. similar groups of people. But they're just not the – I don't there's something about that that doesn't hold up. And I think that Days Confused might be one of those ones also, that the – violence that's in it, the bullying that's in it, things like that, that a lot of younger people, they might not find that as charming as we did. Mm, yeah, but they probably need it. They probably need, they <laughs> well, need Ben Affleck in their life. Like, yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> being terrified. <laughs> a very large man who is no way, shape or form a high school senior. Like, I know he's like a fifth or sixth year senior. Ben Affleck at that time, he was like a 12th year. Like he's, <laughs> He's rounding into Ryan Reynolds Adventureland territory where this is a grown man. Uh, but yeah, you know, character building like Eisenberg's character attempts to say about working at Adventureland, which I, I know, I know he's just a character sort of like putting on airs at time, but though it, it is a bit of a reach when for most of the time you just seem sitting reading a book and it's it, it, like Adventureland, honestly, like instead of like days confused, it's probably like trying to be like the, uh, like the blink 182 version of clerks it's trying to like be like the here's the one for like the 12 and 13 year olds if you're not quite comfortable with them you know getting the uh the, the snowball uh speech from clerks throw on adventureland because it's you know it's it's in that vein it's it's in that vein you you have a couple of boner jokes which i was definitely surprised handle by. that totally wrong dude you just like i'm watching this with my wife and i'm like well all right here's what i do because you know i've been in those type of situations before and what i would you know if i'm invited into a pool and i know it's a movie so they compress time but it feels like they're in there for two seconds and then christian stewart's like all right this guy's getting a little too handsy uh i'm gonna go get a beer you want to get beer if if you're in that state eisenberg and your tidy whities She's like, no, we just, I just got in the pool. I'm just going to hang out here for a minute. Like, you know, just come back out and we'll talk. What you do not do is immediately try to walk <laughs> out with it. <laughs> and the funny thing is in the, the scene after when he's caught, like, um, I guess she doesn't catch him, but it's during the, like, hey, you've got cool records. There's a replacement. It's a big star. Uh, the way the towel was positioned, my wife thought they were going like full on like Fairly Brothers and thought he was just like walking around with it still, like just walking around. <laughs> That probably would have improved the movie if you're like, dude, this I think guy. that would have taken you. You could have at that point possibly capitalized on the super bad tag and it would mm-hmm. have made sense if he would have just from then on had a boner for the next reel of the film. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been up until the scene where they're making out with the parents. He was on a boner from in front of when the parents come home. Well, I mean, if they would have gone from then to then. On board. Uh, imagine, you know, when the townie's pulling a knife on him over a stupid, like, teddy bear. <laughs> if the dudes are rocking a boner behind there, you're not going to take yourself or your child around that, that maniac. <laughs> That's what the world needs. Clearly, in this day and age, when we're talking about, yeah, maybe Daisy and Confused not going to work out that well. Me and you were positing that you use your erection <laughs> as a tool of so defense. <laughs> I think we, we got improved it. in yet another film. Mm-hmm. I think we solved why this was not the hit, the <laughs> little cult classic it was supposed to be. More boners. <laughs> you introduced the boner, and so it has to stay in the rest of the film. And then do you change the title at that point? And what are you changing the title to when you have a good 30-minute chunk mm. of um, Eisenberg's hog at full salute? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the hogs of summer? I don't 
everybody wants some. They could have jumped mm, on the they gun for that. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, I mean, you definitely don't want it, the critics to, I guess, ever, you know, in their, their, the very way they, they enter into their, their letterbox review, I guess, would be, you know, Eisenberg's hog. I don't think those are words that <laughs> sell tickets or promote clicks. You seem really bothered by that particular pairing of words. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's you know, I think it's something that the, the squid and the whale version would like. <laughs> If memory serves, I think his little brother was beating him too. That's that. what I was going to say. He was leaving that all over the books in the library. That's the way to handle yourself. <laughs> <laughs> For five minutes with lube. I, I like to think that kid. You know, the, the character building was that he had not yet discovered that that you know he was. <laughs> He, he was not one of these uh, modern baseball players going up with like armor on there. You know, he was he was going up there, no powder, nothing, <laughs> no gloves. Uh, see, that, that's the, there's and yet again the pre-internet era when you have that moment of self-discovery and you have the, you know, the 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 pre-dawn man at the beginning of two thousand one discovering the first tool. There you go. He could have had that with his lube. There's an awkward. Uh highlight uh, from my high school days i remember like holding hands with a girl and her accusing <laughs> me of like jerking off like constantly because like my hands were like you know like just like soft or whatever and that, they actually were i was like well yeah they are like you know they, i guess they feel good right it's just because i don't work that that was my like i'm like how do i answer this because no i actually i i am i'm fucking ted williams here as far as when i pick up the stick there's nothing <laughs> Why do I want any separation from myself? I love me. That's that's the act of loving me. So no, there's no distance there. Ah, uh, that's something that's uh that that's sort of reserved for when you're in a hotel room and it's sort yes. of a a spa day. Yeah, know, with yourself. Well, yeah, okay. you know, it has the air of like you know you're cheating, like you know you light a candle. <laughs> Maybe you're in the tub. I don't know. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, it's been 10 years since Adventureland came out. This has been <laughs> projecting film, <laughs> reminiscing about that and other things. Happy anniversary, guys. Heisenberg's <laughs> hog. <laughs> I, I, th I think we have a new podcast. That was what I was going to tell you. Is like, you know, any idea I have, I'm just going to like, because I, I, I wanted to go back and be like, what can we do for cocaine boners? Can we just do an episode just titled <laughs> Cocaine Boners? And we just, you know, just throw them in. So it's just, you know, and we just do different segments on this show. And uh, that'll be that. Fair enough. Good deal. <laughs> I think it worked.